Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Today's cool fact of the day is telomeres are one of the biomarkers associated with longevity. In a study on women, researchers found that women who practice a form of meditation called a loving-kindness meditation had significantly longer relative telomere length than women who did not, even after controlling for body mass index and a history of depression. Interestingly, heart rate variability training, which I'm a huge fan of, is similar to some forms of loving-kindness meditation. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD plus. It's what I use. Today, I'm really stoked because we've got Mark Hunter who is one seriously tough-looking dude on the show. Mark is frontman for Chimera, a death metal band who's sold more than a million albums. Spent 15 years as a professional musician, music producer, world traveler, and get this, he's a biohacker, a cook, and he's working on being a wellness coach. He underwent some kind of cool transformations in 2010, and I've talked with him about, you know, what do you do when you're on tour in order to stay bulletproof. People don't know this, 
and we're going to talk about this, but musicians, when they're on tour, like they beat themselves up as much as triathletes do. So I've, I'll just say Mark isn't the first professional musician I've spoken with about like, how, how do I stop being sick? Because, you know, for most kinds of music, if you don't have your voice working very well, it's kind of tough. But, you know, we'll let Mark make some comments about that. Mark, welcome to the show, man. I, uh, I always love chatting with you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the show, and it's, uh, it's actually surreal to be here right now, so thank you. Uh, you're most welcome. We've got so much to talk about. You do float tanks. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about some stuff you've done that doesn't have anything to do with being a, a billboard professional musician. Um, one of those is, tell me about your mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's pretty pretty remarkable story. I mean, my whole life, my, my mother struggled uh, with with obesity and she had diabetes and uh, high blood pressure, you name it. And a couple of years ago, she was just at that point in her life where it just seemed like she had given up completely and she would say things like, you know, uh, I'm going out or, you know, the Sanford and son Elizabeth, I'm coming to get you kind of attitude. But uh I just didn't find that acceptable. And um, so I started applying some of the knowledge I had learned about nutrition through the bodybuilding communities and stuff on the internet that I was interested in at the time and just really tried to help her uh, lose weight and get back in, t- get back in touch with herself and, and take charge of her life. And so over the course of a year, she she dropped over a hundred pounds, and then once I I found the uh, the bulletproof uh, diet and lifestyle, and we started implementing everything with that, she dropped another twenty pounds, and officially now her doctor said she's she, she can no longer be considered a diabetic. She's off off all of her medication, and uh, her. A1C at, at its worst was somewhere around an 11, and now it's at a 5.8. Wow. So that's a pretty serious difference in exactly a year or maybe slightly more. Uh, that's amazing. And you've lost a little bit of weight yourself in the, the process of becoming a life coach. Um, tell me about that. Yeah, this uh, – well, actually, last year in 2012, I mean, I basically – just didn't care about diet or I stopped caring about it. I just wanted to like, I'm just going to have Arby's all the time and, and eat like complete crap. And I got up to 220 pounds and I just felt sluggish. I looked terrible. And, uh, so the, the motto was 2012 look like hell and 2013 I'll be fresh and clean. And since again, with, with, uh, discovering Bulletproof, I I'm down 40 pounds and I really, didn't step in the gym. And so the, the, <laughs> the, the things you say on your website are a- absolutely true. And uh, I mean, just aside from obviously performing on stage is quite a, um, quite an exertion of energy and, and, and calorie burning and all of that. But, uh, but other than that, I, I mean, I, I just followed the, the diet principles and, and, I replaced my morning breakfast with with bulletproof coffee, which I'm actually having for lunch as well. So uh, nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm down 40 pounds. I've maintained the weight, and that's really all I want to do right now. So this morning, I think I was like 178. Wow! Congrats, man. I I'm stoked here that you've you've lost that much on it. I didn't realize that you'd personally lost 40 pounds until we started chatting about this. 
Um, as a as a professional musician, tell me what it's like when you're when you're on the road, and like what the typical day looks like. Well, it can, it can vary. I mean, especially when you when you're releasing an album, it, it's very busy. You're doing a lot of press um, throughout the day, th- all around the world, global interviews and uh, meeting fans and setting up the show and sound checking. Then you're doing a lot of what we like to call hurry up and wait, where <laughs> you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs forever just to start the concert. And then, uh, you know, you go on stage for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half and then try to fall asleep somehow after that <laughs> and do it all over again. But, uh, um, and on, on, a, on a, towards the end of a tour cycle, you start filling your time with writing and, and trying to be more on the creative side and, and just try to fill your time because it's 23 hours of the day you're not playing. So, um, it, it really is, uh, it, it it can lead you down to dark paths, which I've seen. And that's why another reason I'm thankful for you finding like bulletproof stuff, because it's given me a much, much more positive thing to fill my time with and, and trying to upgrade things where in, in my field, I see a lot of people kind of downgrading it in, in many aspects. Well, I mean, part of the sort of typical, I want to say stereotypical, death metal culture might involve things like monster energy drinks and vodka and, you know, <laughs> exactly. the cheapest beer you can find and all that. So, you know, you, you're, you're a pretty positive guy. I just know from knowing you and, you know, you, you're working on improving your own health and performance and you've taken on clients and you're helping them. And then you go on stage and, you know, I've seen it, you guys totally just rock it, but you know, it's pretty, it's a pretty dark vibe in the music. How do you like get those two, those two things to line up inside your head? Well, honestly, that's been really difficult. Um, that was probably, it, it still is in some aspects, the hardest part is trying to separate, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde because the character who I am when I'm singing or performing or writing or in the studio, I want, I want and need that character to be legit. And I need that, that pain to come out and that, I want to have that catharsis and, and those, those feelings. And then sometimes it's hard to turn that off. You know, you're still in that dark place or perhaps you have to really think about a lot of dark things to get into that mindset. So from the beginning of my career, it was really tough to turn the bad guy off. And, and uh, it's, it was very difficult, actually. And um, I learned it started with, you know, meditation and just, even the guys in my band would, you know, help me out by saying, Hey, you know, you're, you're being kind of an asshole. Like (laughs) you need to, uh, you need to, you need to change some things. So taking an honest look at myself in the mirror and, and trying to figure out like, well, how do I turn this character off? And, and it started with meditation and I learned, learned about flotation takes. And, um, I, listen to a lot of philosophy or write a lot of philosophy, listen to a lot of old stuff on YouTube and kind of went into the the sixties counterculture and learned what I could from that. And, and they had learned, I guess the best of the things that they had to say about, uh, finding yourself. And, um, so I started on that path and then really I've been working on since then trying to separate domestic Mark between stage Mark and, um, because it's funny when you say that I'm a positive person. There's 
I could probably throw about 20 people at you that would say, what the hell is Dave Asprey? <laughs> but that's, you know, that's honestly, that's from knowing the old me. And, um, you know, I still have that, uh, that side. I mean, that's just part of who I am. It's, it's part of who I've always been, but now it's really, a, really learning how to hone in to be the only when I need to be that character, I suppose. So that, that is a, it's a major challenge. I, I did this thing quite a while back. It was like a 10 day intensive personal growth workshop. And, and part of it was like, write down all like the worst things you think about yourself. So you're like, you know, do whatever it takes to go to like your darkest place. And I imagine you write your music and, and you perform from there. So I did this and I, I wrote something that was so dark that it became like, after they anonymized it, like the stereotypical, this is a good job of writing something dark. And I realized like three different sentences, it was like two, two three pages long, three different sentences were lyrics from Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> and, and it wasn't designed that way. I used to be like the biggest Nine Inch Nails fan. Uh, and I, I'm to the point now where it like, you know, head like a hole is awesome, right? At the same time, I don't listen to it because it actually makes me feel agitated. Even though like, I'm like, like, this music rocks, you know, will you bite the hand that feeds you? All that stuff that I've probably heard like a gazillion times. But I, I found like I, my heart rate variability drops when I listen to it, literally. And I'm like, this sucks because I really like I want to you know, go dancing to that music. But that's just from listening to it. And I'd internalize some of the lyrics. But you're taking lyrics from like inside your, your body, like inside your head, and you're putting them out there. Like, is that cathartic when you do that? 100%. And it's funny you mentioned Nine Inch Nails. That's a, one of my biggest influences. And, and I agree, too, as I've grown, I can't even listen to the, the style of music I play really anymore. <laughs> and it's the last thing I want to do when I get off stage is uh, listen to, to heavy metal. I'm, I want to listen to something much more relaxing. But yeah, it, exactly. And the reason I, I do it is a big part of it was when I was younger and growing up and listening to artists like Nine Inch Nails, when I was in the having the darkest moments of my teen years and the teen angst years and things of that nature, that's what I turned to was music and the lyrical content. And it was, I felt like I wasn't alone anymore. And so when I write lyrics, I'm really trying to focus and do the same type of thing for the person that's listening to us and being able to have the same sort of feelings and feel like they're not alone and perhaps going through a, a similar emotion or a feeling, or maybe they're driving to work and just grabbing onto their steering wheel and that's what they're getting out of it. And it just feels good to them. And that means a lot. Uh, so many people have come up and thank the band for, uh, like they say, they, they it saves them and, and really pulls them out of dark places. And I can relate to that because that's what music did for me. I can tell you for sure that, uh, I don't, do you know Biohazard, those guys? Yeah, of course. So their, their music saved my life because I used to have a 45-minute commute after two hours of sleep before I would drink coffee. And the only way I could stay awake was to like crank it so loud the windows are rattling and I'd like drive to, to class in university. And like if you're listening to this and you're not into that kind of music, Biohazard is some pretty dark stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, and now that that's not how I would do it, but if I listen to your music, for instance, it's highly energizing, man. You, you want to like, you know, get up and get ready and like kind of feel inspired to fight in, in a positive or a negative way, whichever way, you can definitely get the energy there. And when you're, I know I was a pretty angry young guy and knowing, like hearing music like, like that is like, wow, I'm not alone, right? And you feel alone. That's part of why you're angry. So it, it's really interesting to kind of see 
my own evolution, your own evolution there. But yeah, music that's you know powerful and angry uh, has played, uh, I would say, probably positive and negative influence in my life. And maybe in your as well. Same. Yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> I can agree with that for sure. <laughs> what happened to your whole band when all of you drank Bulletproof coffee before you went on stage? Because you, you told me this and it just made me laugh. Yeah, every everyone, uh, man, everyone loves it. And we really had like one of the most intense performances. Like you're looking around at the guys and, and on stage and everyone just kind of looking at each other and staring back into their eyes, but their eyes are really big and <laughs> wide. And you could just tell they're just jacked up and feeling good. And it just sounded so, uh, so tight and perfect. And there was a time that I, I, up to the uh, brain octane and, and, and did the three tablespoons. And I'm like, I'm going for it. I'm telling you, man, I was like shaking and like feeling like I was going to have it out of body. <laughs> That's experience. a lot, man. Most, <laughs> most people can't hack three tablespoons. I think I'm, I don't think I can hack it by myself, but yeah. I, I at so least try lower it. than that. Everyone. Okay. <laughs> that was for, uh, you know, we wanted to have the extra, extra experience. Where, that, where that was night. that show when you did that? That was in Rochester, New York. And, we were feeling really extra good that night because our sound guy of 10 years uh, was able to rejoin us. He wasn't able to be with us on that tour. And so we just knew we were going to sound that much better. And we wanted to have like just an extra awesome performance. So we, uh, we went for it. That's cool. All right. Now here's a question for you. And the reason I brought up Bulletproof Coffee right in the middle of talking about dark music and all that stuff. I've had lots of people say that they feel lighter people have said i feel like i'm doing qigong i've i've had you know like they, they feel like they're having like i don't want to go as far as spiritual experiences but we'll just say slightly altered like very positive states did having more cellular energy like that does that affect like the tone of your music i, I know it affects energy levels but did it make you guys like more angry and more aggressive or was it like more mellowing because i, I like part of my goal with this stuff is to help people like have their brains turn on so they can be more positive. And, and I'm, did it work for you or was it not like that? I think, I think with us it's focus and okay. you know, uh, our, our guitar player, Matt is kind of, kind of an ADD guy and he's not a coffee guy at all. And, uh, we gave it to him and it was hilarious. First off, I caught him doing a, a invisible, we had a, he, he didn't have a jump rope, but he was jumping rope. <laughs> without a <laughs> what are you doing but uh he was just going crazy and he just kept saying man i was so focused I, like i yeah. i was just paying attention to my guitar like i'd never had before and you got you got a lot of that and uh jeremy our bass player was talking about how when he drink drank drinks it like he doesn't have any pain in his joints and and he's one of the guys that you're, you're mentioning like the monster energy drink and vodka that's that's totally him and uh so I'm really starting to see the difference because we've all like uh, three of us have implemented the diet and a lot more of the principles and starting to get really uh, anal with our bulletproof methods and how how much more we can upgrade everything. And then you see some of the some of the other guys like, man, like, you know, I want to get to where you're at. And it's really starting to influence uh, everybody down the line. It's really cool. That, that is fascinating. And uh, for people listening to this, uh, th this is not like a plug for Bulletproof Coffee. It's just something that I haven't heard a whole band on tour do before ever. And I'm, I'm frankly curious about it. What's the downside? Like there, there must be some negative things that are happening here. Uh, I just want to be fair and balanced. You know, do you guys get disaster pants on stage or anything like that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. Here's the downside. And I'm going to be honest. This is, this is really a problem. When I notice that I'm running low, I start to panic. Like, what am I going to do if I run out? Of what? Of bulletproof coffee, like the oh. beans. <laughs> that is a problem. It feels like an actual addiction to, you know, like, oh, I start yeah. sweating. I better, I better order some more. No, th- we never had a, a negative effect. There was no, um, no downside. In fact, uh, when, when the guys went to uh, switch to different brands, they were like, well, that made me go to the bathroom right away. Bulletproof doesn't. And uh, so oh, it was. It was actually. It was actually the opposite. It was the opposite. Awesome. Um, no I, downside. Very cool. Other than that time, you had too much brain octane. So uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's a fair you know, warning for people. Like, like, just ramp up slowly. Uh, I, I got to say, I, I've known other people. You know, brain octane is is stronger than MCT. So, uh, especially older women. Um, not necessarily your demographic for your audience, but still. Um, <laughs> They're very sensitive to it because their cells uh, use the fat very efficiently. So the dose for someone like that could be like half a teaspoon. And like, all right, I'm feeling really good. Maybe I'll ramp up to whole teaspoon. Whereas, you know, I, I do three tablespoons a day, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to that. And, right. you know, you, you can do that. I don't do three tablespoons at once. I think that would be a bit much for me too. So, Yeah, right. no, that was just seriously seeing. I, that was like a one once in a lifetime. Let's see how far we can take it. <laughs> and uh, that that was definitely beyond the limit of where I, I totally agree with you. Normally I'm still around one in my, uh, in, right. when I, when I do my concoction, I'm doing one tablespoon of okay. brain octane. It, it varies for people. So you're, you're pretty much about where most people end up. All right. Let's talk about something, um, that's not, uh, you know, not coffee related just because I know people hear a lot about coffee. <laughs> you, you do float tanks, right? Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to be doing a float down in LA when I, when I'm on Joe Rogan, uh, I think next week, whenever, whenever that's coming up. Um, so how often do you float and where do you do it? Well, there's a place in Lakewood, Ohio, uh, which is, uh, just about 15, 10, 15 minutes outside of Cleveland. And there's a place called, uh, optimal wellness. And I go as often as I can. I usually like to go right before tour or if there's a really stressful, stressful time in my life and I need to be home and I'm like, I can't get away or do anything and I need to get out of my head. So, um, it's not like a regular regimen. It's mainly if I can go before tour or like I said, a stressful moment. So, um, I find that I feel like I'm like reborn afterwards. Like, kind of like you walk out of the the tank and you just, I don't know, it feels like my head's been rearranged inside and, and you just feel a lot better. It is That's sort of womb-like, right? You know, you're floating right. in warm fluid in the dark. Like you've, you've done that one time in your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what's the most powerful experience you've had doing flotation? I think that what I find is interesting is the ability to take what I'm thinking about and what I'm really stressed about and think about it in such a, a slow manner that I, I don't have a million things coming in at my head all at once and distracting me, pulling me away from the thought that I, that I need to focus on. So I am 100% in this state where I'm just thinking about it really slow and I can focus and it's like, ah, that is exactly the answer that I, I'm looking for. And there's moments, too, where I felt like I don't feel like I'm in the universe <laughs> or like I'm part of the universe, like in the 
in my normal realm, I should right. say. I feel like I'm in the ether. <laughs> I don't like to go there, but that's kind of you know where you feel like you are, like, a, like this inexplanable realm. Yeah, a lot of those altered state experiences are, are ineffable. Like there just aren't words for them. Right. And so talking about them, anytime, anytime any friend talks about something like that, we always start going, what's the word? Like, how do you say that? So I hear you, you feel a little bit disembodied maybe um, exactly. when you do it. And you come out of it, you feel like you said sort of clean and, and reborn was the word you used? Yeah, rebirth or if you, I don't know if it, I'm not a computer guy as much as you like, but is it disc defragging? Like would be a good way to. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that before. That's awesome. So yeah, I defragged my head. I, I, that's a total biohacker comment right there. All right, you actually call yourself a biohacker, and, and there's increasing numbers of people doing that, um, which I'm I'm really grateful for. And I don't mean like you know the guys who are slicing DNA in their basements and making new species that will probably mess up our gut biome. You, what do you mean by biohacker? Like, like, what's your definition of that? Well, I didn't really know that the term existed till I discovered you, to be honest with you. But uh, since 2006, once I became really interested in nutrition, I started, I guess, my journey with learning to count macros and learning what macronutrients were and understanding that that, that could have um, an effect on my size or body composition and learning how to, when I was trying to lift weights and put on size with that, um, learning how to apply the science. And then I would learn how you could start uh, adding, like, um, it started with supp supplementation then after that and learning what, what kind of products were BS and what kind that actually would work. And so my journey started with just tracking and like seeing that there was an effect that food and there was a science behind the body. And then, then it, it turned into trying to hack my brain and, uh, learning how to control it and drive it like an automobile. And, um, I was actually really late on the game. Uh, most, most people have their experiences with, uh, with psychedelics or something in their in their college years or high school, and I didn't do that. Um, I actually waited till I was in my 30s and really learned how to operate my nervous system in a whole different way and turn on my brain in new ways and control my brain and control my thoughts uh, differently. And um, now it's with with the with all the apps that are out there you can do so much more so of course i have like a fitbit i'm tracking all my steps now i'm tracking steps on stage uh, and and trying now i want to get into uh, the heart math and learning all of that and i just ordered my dna to be analyzed and going to hook up with the wellness effects guys so nice. i'm re really going to dive in more and more so to to say that is a very loose term only in the sense that I'm very new to the culture, but at the same time, I was kind of doing things of that nature without really understanding what I was doing and that that, that, that was a whole culture, if you will. There are a lot of people who realize, oh yeah, I, I can identify with this because I thought I was the only one like doing all these disparate pieces that incorporate you know, the head and the body and all that. I'm thinking about your comments about controlling your your head and, and looking at your your steps on stage. Have you ever looked at controlling your stress on stage or measuring that? No, but that sounds like something I would love to do because I definitely used to have a really hard time with the moments leading up to going on stage. With uh, I would be very nervous, throw up. Um, wow, you actually had that much stage fright? Oh, terrible stage and, fright. And you still rock it. Is it gone or you still have it? 
you know, there's definitely times I still have it, um, especially playing like an important show, like a hometown show. But the worst I ever had it, we played a, a show in, in, in front of 60,000 people in, the, in, in England. And man, I just couldn't, I couldn't even like see straight, you know, it, wow. it, it was just very like nerve wracking and, you know, everyone else is just pumped up and excited and like on this adrenaline rush. And, and, uh, I just didn't have that. Uh, <laughs> I was having a complete other, the other side of the flight or flight, flight or fight kicking in. Yeah. I wanted to run. Wow. I, I've had a few executives that I've coached who had a hard time, uh, with, public speaking, especially in a bigger venue like that. And it's always the same thing. Like, like your nervous system is like, you will die if you go out there. And it's, <laughs> it's just like you're going off a high dive. And it, it doesn't matter that it, it's irrational. Like it's not the rational part of your body, right? So the, the Labrador in your head was like, get me out of here. Like, you know, something's going to eat me. Um, what did you do? Like you, so you, you, you tossed your cookies, you know, would you throw some cold water in your face and go out on stage anyway? Like, like how did you yeah. overcome that? There were times where I was literally, you know, vomiting as the intro was playing and I'm like, oh man. And like, but I literally, I don't know what it is. It's that character. It's like this. And it's there. Like I so you literally, okay. I literally switch personas at, at the blink of an eye and everybody that knows me sees this transformation of like, you just totally turned, you know, and, and you're not that person anymore. I don't, it's like I'm gone. It's wow. really bizarre. So I, I stopped, I stopped the vomiting and then I'm just totally fine. And, and, but that has really gone down and like learning, I don't have that kind of stress anymore. I don't have, I think a lot of the dietary issues, I definitely used to try to burn the candle at both ends and be in a band and that just stuff doesn't work. And I noticed, you know, early on, um, the people that were older, in, in my field of work, if you will, you know, just didn't look great in their mid thirties. <laughs> and, and, uh, I'm like, man, I, that, that's not how I want to roll. You know, I don't want to be like that. So, uh, I never really, you know, got into the, uh, the more, I guess, dangerous, if you will, activities uh, on the road. And I, I kind of stayed with the health side of things and, sure. and the, the more I progress, uh, or the, the older I get, the more interested I become in it. So how old are you? I'm 36. All right. I know if people are seeing on YouTube, you can pretty much guess you're in your mid-30s. But if you're driving right now listening, that, that helps for people to know. Well, when you're on stage sometime, I want to hook you up with, uh, I'm assuming it wouldn't interfere with, Bluetooth wouldn't interfere with any of the stuff you, you're using for sound. But uh, we can get a, a polar heart rate monitor on you and use the HRV Sense app um, that we just yeah. launched. We haven't, I haven't talked about it too much. But it'll graph your stress, like using your heart rate variability. So you can see what your HRV looks like the entire time you're on stage, which would be kind of cool. Like I want to see that when you're done. you got to post it somewhere on your blog. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I, I just think that would be amazing. And see, you know, do some songs raise or lower heart rate variability? Like, does the audience reaction do that? It would just be a fascinating study, and, and I've never known anyone to do that. So you might be the, the first uh, rock star to do that, which is cool. Let's do it. That would be amazing. All right. Um, I, I'll, I'll get you hooked up with that stuff afterwards. Now, there's a couple things that go together. That would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? So we've, <laughs> we've talked about rock and roll. What about drugs? I mean, did, did you have a period in your life when you were into that? Uh, do you still partake on occasion? What, what's the deal there? If you want to talk about it, if you don't, that's cool. No, sure. Um, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. I really just didn't 
gravitate towards it in my youth. Um, I, I kind of lived like the straight edge mentality in, in high school. And I wasn't, the, I wasn't the cool guy at parties. You know, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke dope. I didn't do anything. And, um, and I tried drinking a little bit, uh, a lot of a lot of the guys in in, in bands and stuff. There, that's the thing, man. You get off stage and you have drinks, and it just, I just, I would be throwing up after my second drink. Like it just wasn't for me. Wow. I'm, I, but um, I discovered cannabis in my 30s, and partly was the fact that uh, the girl I started dating at the time, um, she has severe Crohn's disease, and she used it. And I was like, man, come on, you're just doing it to, to get stoned. There's no, there's no medicinal benefit here. I, I just didn't really believe in, believe that there was any help for it. And um, she had convinced me that uh, how it helped her with her, her pain and, and nausea. And I was just very ignorant to the, uh, the positive sides of cannabis. And I, at the time, had chronic nausea that I was uh, prescribed um, uh, promethazine for. And I just didn't like taking promethazine for nausea. It like knocked me out and I, I'd be asleep for hours in the middle of the day and it just sucked. So I was in Australia and there was cannabis around and I was super nauseous and I'm like, all right, I'm going to try it and see if there's any merit to this. And I'll be honest, I don't really think I have not had it since then. <laughs> that was a few <laughs> years ago. And uh, so, yeah, I definitely fell in love with cannabis and for creativity. And uh, it brought a lot of compassion that I, I think I was missing in my life. I guess the hippier side, you know, came out, which for somebody like me that was pretty angry and aggressive, I think I needed that balance. And uh, that led me to psychedelics uh, briefly. And that was mainly because... I was really interested in the the medical side. Uh, I'm a really big fan of the author Sam Harris, and he writes some really interesting stuff uh, about psychedelics. And I found everything he had to say about it true. Uh, they really opened me up to be aware of the universe uh, and my place in it. And at the same time, they opened the gates of hell, and that was enough for me. <laughs> what, what do you mean they opened the gates of hell? Uh, well, you know how it's like... It, like it looks, you're looking at that mirror and sometimes I would wish that mirror would turn off, but I understand its importance. You know, the, I guess it's showing me the, showing me the, the parts of my life that I want to change. And sometimes it's like, man, I feel like I've changed that 50 times over again. And it, it felt like I couldn't escape that for, for a, a few months and I just didn't like the feeling. Wow. That's something I've definitely heard. And I know a lot of artists and musicians have used psychedelics at least, you know, a few times and all that. Uh, and certainly, you know, I, I've been to Burning Man and, and whatnot. Um, but yeah, they're, they're strong medicine and uh, something not to be trifled with lightly, I would, I would say. Definitely not. I, and I, you know, that was the thing. It was, I didn't want to have like the kind of experience where I'm just like, you know, watching The Wizard of Oz listening to Pink Floyd at the same time. Um, I really wanted to have a spiritual experience and do it the do it the right way and i spent years researching and reading about it and i guess trying to be as much of as prepared as i could if i was going to leave this uh leave this earth like an astronaut <laughs> if you will and you know i still think i i think if i'm gonna do anything else it would probably be an ayahuasca ceremony and and that would probably uh 
probably be the the end of uh, I well I can't say that for for certain, but that's really the only thing I'm I'm I guess I'm interested in at at this moment. But other than that, for drugs, uh, no, uh, and I just really didn't. I guess hang out in the circles that were into anything else. I've never oh. even seen cocaine, which is hilarious. Which you know, how can I be in a band and not yeah. have even seen cocaine? But I haven't. Wow. Now, if you decide you want to do ayahuasca, I, I've done it in uh, in South America with a shaman, and um, I'm friends with a couple of shamans I've done some work with um, who run you know, professional tours where you go down like reputable things. It's, it's not about getting high; it's about right. the spiritual side of indigenous religions. If you want to hook up there, let me know. Um, I'll introduce you to both of them. Yeah, um, for sure. One of them is, is Alberto Viotto, um, who's uh, uh, an amazing gentleman, a cultural anthropologist, and spent 20 years you know, eating bark in the Amazon <laughs> and learning some pretty powerful stuff. And he's a biohacker too. You know, He's, he's injecting glutathione, actually, <laughs> in order to improve awesome. his meditation. And um, the other one is Jade Wahoo Grigori, who actually is tougher looking than you. <laughs> he's he's this this big guy with you know a braided like a double braided beard and like it's just an absolute like like a giant teddy bear but he just looks like big and and kind of tough and peaceful at the same time and uh um 28th generation siberian uh lineage so wow both of those guys i would trust with my life in terms of going down to peru and um experiencing things that honestly might not be safe so Exactly. We're just, we're just about to go down to South America for our first tour in the beginning of December. And I, I'm, ser- I'm trying to see if I can actually stay in it, stay there. So I might, uh, I might be asking you for that information. All right. Um, I'll, sure. I'll make some introductions to those people. I don't know if either of them will be down there, but um, don't mess around with this. And to anyone listening, if you're going to be doing ayahuasca, like <laughs> I'll yeah. relay something. This is going back a long time. I, I think I did this in like 1999 or 2000 or something like that. Um, I went down there and I did ayahuasca and I didn't really feel as much as um, the woman I was doing it with at the time um, who was like changed her religion when she came out of, of the tent. And we're overlooking these ruins. Um, these ruins are called sexy woman, actually. Um, that's like not in English. That was the, the Quechuan word for it, Quechuan word for it. But I got out and I felt really good and just kind of like I'd let something go and and I'm like, I'm going to go for a hike. And, and the shaman's like, like grabs me and he's like, you will not walk outside that stone circle. I'm like, really? Why not? <laughs> You're like, like, you know, you, you can't stop. Right. Me. And, and he was, he was like, he's, he's like, you're still open. Like, it's not safe. Like, like you could tell he was, he was genuinely concerned for like the safety of my psyche because <laughs> he was like, I've done stuff to make this a safe place, but everyone, and maybe it's all BS, right? I just don't believe it's BS because that hasn't been my experience by a long shot. So yeah. do it with someone who knows what they're doing. You know, don't, don't mess around. So make sure you get a good referral is all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And that was a bit, that's a big part of the thing for me is like, man, I want it. I want, if I'm going to go do something like that, it's got to be legit, you know, yeah. that's like exactly if I'm going to, you know, back to your coffee, if I'm going to drink coffee, it's got to be legit. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are, uh, there are definitely a few shamanic people who drink bulletproof coffee as well. Awesome. Um, coffee is an NRF2 uh, stimulator, and it it has effects like qi, uh, qigong meditation in some studies too. It it's a mind altering substance. It's just a you know a legal one, right? Uh, right so so we, we've covered drugs, we've covered rock and roll. All right, sex hacking. Yeah, 
you've got some experience there. Tell me about that. Well, I definitely uh, have to be in a situation where we'll have to go for, for periods of time without being able to orgasm and being on tour for 30 days. And I'm a faithful guy, so I have to figure out, you know, what, what I can do. But I still so I try to do some things like this was uh, in line with some of the things you were talking about. But you still kind of have sex, but but don't orgasm. And yeah. so I would def- like spend time being intimate with my partner by getting super turned on and, and make sure she orgasm. But I would I would not. And it just wouldn't know what I would notice is the next day I'm just twice as horny or, and then <laughs> and more ramped up on stage and more energy. And so I, I definitely um, I definitely agree with you on uh, on the less is more. And uh, I feel like genuinely drained uh the next day sometimes after like a, a very intense session or or so i've noticed that and i uh for, for touring guys you know for people that you know you know we have to use technology that's just that's really our own, only means of being able to be intimate with a partner uh being gone for six seven weeks at, at a time so so the good old-fashioned uh cyber sex huh to, to bring exactly. up the 90s term, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so if you're a faithful guy and you're into the, the sex hacking and you want to be uh, intimate with your partner on tour, uh, you can. there's definitely validity to win the fact when you get home and finally orgasm, it's going to be pretty intense, <laughs> it, it <laughs> to takes... say the least. <laughs> All right. Now, now we'll get really, really intimate here. During one of my and, – and if you're listening to this, you don't know what we're talking about. We should just introduce this. I gave a talk a year and a half ago about a series of experiments I did to validate the Taoist recommendations for men on how frequently they should ejaculate and you know, noted very strong improvements in my energy and just my, the quality of my life when I didn't ejaculate on a super regular basis. And there's equations and all the stuff's written up on the blog. So that, that's what we're kind of – the context for our discussion here. And – um, I've had a lot of very positive feedback from guys who said, "Wow, I, you know, I didn't realize how how much it was draining me, and you know, my my sex life's improved like that." Um, I've also had a few people say, like, and, and certainly this was my experience. It's one of the hardest things I've done, like, to teach yourself to not have an orgasm for for thirty days. Um, for most guys, it's unimaginable, and I've certainly failed at my attempts to do that um, at least as often as I've succeeded. <laughs> it's not a problem anymore though like like I have control of that it's totally there but it was like a couple years of training to be able to just like be in charge of that part of my biology the the model I use is that you have an operating system for your meat like like for, for your flesh and it's responsible for making you have stage fright you know it, it wants to run away or it wants to fight or it wants to make the species reproduce right those are like its areas of control and when you step in there and you're like oh, no i'm going to take over the species reproduction part there's a lot of internal resistance and and i'd find like i'm on day 20 and i'm like i said i was going to go 30 days but right now there's a very good rational reason for me to have an orgasm like i i know it <laughs> right and then as soon as you do it you're like god damn it like there was no reason why did i do that Right. Did you experience that kind of thing? I mean, is this, you know, it's actually my, my girlfriend that is, is very like, she doesn't want me to participate in these <laughs> experiments. <laughs> She's like, well, 
I feel I feel you know I, I feel like you're not satisfied or something like that. So you know that that's always the challenge is getting her to like come on let me you know in the name of science and let me uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me leave me be. So that's actually the biggest challenge I, I find. And then um, yeah, I just what I notice what I notice is I, I get just really amped up and I think that's the testosterone raising like I I want to I want to just explode in all sorts of ways and like energy or like I want to get in the ring or something and you know like that's how I feel it's just really really charged up and then by the time we finally get to uh or I finally get I, I finally allow myself whatever you want to call it uh it's intense and I think a lot of this too is some of the martial arts guys as well they're really into this uh holding off holding off for a long time and that's i think that's where i learned it from well gandhi someone just told me this i haven't validated it but it sounds rational i i know for certain that (laughs) that gandhi quit having sex when he was 32 in order to save his energy for doing more of the social change that he had uh planned for himself and after a few years of that though he realized that that because he just stopped that he was losing energy because he wasn't getting enough stimulation, not orgasms and all. So he finally settled on sleeping between two virgins, but not having any interaction with them, you know, than talking to them and whatnot. So basically, so the, the flesh of his body, so his meat could, you know, get the, the pheromonal <laughs> and hormonal effects of being around attractive, young, nubile women. Um, and he could then transform that into more energy to do what he wanted to do. And I'm like, that's some serious biohacking right there. I, I haven't I haven't convinced my wife to let me sleep between two virgins yet, and somehow I don't think that's going to work. But <laughs> you know, I, I I definitely back that philosophy too, and and um, it's awesome when when you have it. It's rare sometimes in metal when there's like really uh, hot, attractive girls. I thought you were going to say it's rare to have virgins, and I'm like, that's not nice, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, heavy metal's not known for, not to say that there aren't attractive women that come to the shows, there definitely are, but you definitely want to gravitate towards them. And, and so, of course, I, I use that to, you know, with, when I talk to my girlfriend and I'm taking photos with, with the pretty girls at the metal shows, I'm like, this is to boost up my testosterone and my image. <laughs> I, I always send those to my wife. Like, like, I had a photo taken with one, like a Playmate of the Year. Uh, in Las Vegas a little while ago and for the photo she like you know lifts one leg up and like puts it in front of me and it like she's smoking hot and I just like texted it to to Lana I'm like hey Lana (laughs) having a great time in Las Vegas (laughs) exactly (laughs) but like what else can you do right exactly and you're right and and it does uh it it does increase uh it increases the testosterone which is just going to make us better lovers at home right yep and as long as you have that healthy emotional connection and faithfulness you know, there's nothing wrong with, with looking and, you know, the the animal side of being a human is is that there's pheromones and all. And, and I've certainly I've noticed when I'm uh, doing that, you know, holding off for a while, um, my pheromones go up and like you just attract women from across the room. Like, like normally women attract men more with pheromones, but I, I've definitely noticed like bizarre happenings. I think Tim Ferriss talked about that at some point. I guess when he just raises testosterone, but not through this kind of a practice. But um, it actually got annoying at one point for me when I was really doing the experiments for the the talk that I gave, where it, it was like every time I went anywhere, there were like women hitting on me, and I'm just like, you know, that's. 
it, it's it's good for the ego, you know. Like, wow, I, right. I'm feeling attractive, especially. You know, I'm, I'm a former fat guy, I weighed 300 pounds as, as a as you know a young man, and I was never that in good shape or anything like that. So I wasn't a, a ladies' man as a teenager. Uh, and so I'm like, wow, this is kind of cool. On the other hand, it's like, you know, could we just like hang out? Like I'm married, I have kids, like, you know, like, let's just talk, you know? And, and, uh, so it was, it was a big change for me anyway. Did you experience any of that when you, when you're on, when you're on tour, do you get more attractive or is that just cause you're, you know, in a big band, you have groupies anyway? No, see, that's the thing is, uh, I never really noticed that, that sort of thing. And, um, uh, and I'll be honest, when, since I've uh, implemented a lot of the bulletproof lifestyle, lost the weight, uh, just changed up a lot of things. I, not, you know, I, I try to upgrade all sorts of things and even just how, how I present myself. And um, the other day, I think I, I, I counted, there was a, I, I, one of my likes uh, on Instagram, there was 153 of them were female. <laughs> I was wow. like, whoa, that changed. That is awesome. It would would have been like 10 normally, you know? Uh, so just things like that. I can, I can see, see in that for sure. There's, there's been, uh, an improvement with, with that. And that helps. I mean, as a musician, you want, uh, to have the girls come to the show because then that means more guys are going to come to the show because that's where all the girls are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You hear that? Uh, women listening, um, you should definitely come to the next show for, for Chimera. Yeah. Uh, how big is your average show anyway? I, I don't know, like in real life, how big your audience is. Well, you know, it depends and it's all over the planet. And I'll be honest, like heavy metal is kind of uh, it's one of those genres that's been around for 40 years. But some some eras is hit or miss. Right. And we're kind of in a in a in an area where it's not where it was in its heyday. Let's just put it that <laughs> put it at that. So it can vary, you know, on a on a in the middle of the in the middle of the nowhere Say somewhere like in, uh, if we went up to like Saskatoon, Canada, you know, it, it might be have 250, 300 kids. But if we're going to be playing in our hometown, there's well over a thousand people for sure. If we're going to be doing a festival, uh, there's anywhere from 10 to 60,000. So it's really going to vary uh, from, from city to city. And what we try to do is, even if the show sucks and there's like, I think like the worst that think we might have played in front of is, is around a hundred something like that we still treat it like there's ten thousand people you know and uh because that's what we're all there to do we're there to have a good time not count how many people are there we're we're there to have that experience have that uh emotion and and get out that vibe and get out that message and so it, it varies and it's pretty cool to be in a metal band that has had the opportunity to play with like I grew up listening to like all these bands like Metallica, Slayer, Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. um, and I've had a chance to to share the stage with everyone I grew up listening to. So it's been a, a very rewarding culture, not only in in terms of like getting to live out like childhood fantasies, but giving me uh, a career outside of it and and being some a personality that people can listen to and like. I'm posting pictures of myself making like something with grass fed beef. People want to know why now. And that's, it's turning into something completely different. And, uh, I'm able to use that celebrity, if you will. And I use the term kind of loosely, but, right. uh, <laughs> cause I mean, at, at the end of the day, I'm a metal metal dude, but, uh, um, it's pretty cool to, to, to have fans come up and, and talk about how something else besides the music that can, you know, like we could talk about food now and nutrition and, and 
So metal gave me a lot. I, I can, I, I'm going to go be able to do a lot of cool things now. Uh, at, well, after the career, if I want to. That is awesome. We're coming up on the end of the, the show, and I, I just love what you just said. Uh, you mentioned helping other people. Tell me a little bit about your uh, your coaching practice. You're, you're helping a few people on the health coaching sort of thing. You're just getting going on that. Like, Where can people uh, find out more about what you're doing there? Where can they, they find your URL, your band URL? Like, like, Give me all your contact info and, and specific info about what you're doing to help uh, help your fans and other people on the coaching front. Well, yeah, that was the thing. I mean, part of the bulletproof lifestyle was, you know, implementing it into to other to other lives, and see, and I have a, an ability to just kind of break it down and, and make, help people understand and, and not have the fears of of you know. There's so much disinformation on the internet, and uh, just being able to navigate through those things and and help people break it down. So I started. Uh, you know, obviously, with my mom and my girlfriend were my first, my first, if you will, clients. But uh, they're not really clients. But uh, dealing with Crohn's, diabetes, autoimmune stuff is is just. I, I spent hours and days researching, so uh, it turned into helping people in my community and friends and friend, uh, close friends. And I have uh, two people right now that are both down forty pounds that were uh, over three hundred, um, and it's been a hundred days. And <laughs> that's so fast. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And, and then, um, uh, somebody now, another person with Crohn's that, uh, helped them get their, um, vitamin D in check. They didn't even, even think to think about that and helping them with their diet and t- taught them about Bulletproof and, you know, what are you eating? A lot of sugar and, and, and milk and I have gas. Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's, we all don't, we don't know these things. I mean, I started at a point I was doing the same stuff. I had no idea, but I would go to the bathroom 12 times a day. I go once now, twice sometimes, you know, it's, it's such a, such a difference. So long story short, sorry about that is, uh, to find me, uh, the band is, uh, chimera.com C H I M A I R A. And you can find me, uh, Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash chimera mark C H I M A. I-R-A-M-A-R-K. And then I'm on Facebook, Mark, M-A-R-K, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R. And um, I seem to do, I have a lot of interaction on Facebook with, with the fans there. And I'm always available to answer any questions. And, and this is a, a new practice. Uh, this is, my fans have no idea that I am a wellness coach. They have no idea that <laughs> I have been helping people and I'm totally interested in this side of things. And I've uh, kind of slowly but surely letting them, giving them little clues, posting pictures of what I'm doing and with the, the foods I'm eating and using. And uh, But we're actually working on a website right now um, that's going to uh, really condense everything out of the social media world. Uh, I feel that it's a necessary tool. I kind of want to get out of that, you know, uh, it, it, to try to make it a little more personal. And Very awesome. There's a question that everyone answers who's been on the show. You've probably heard it uh, once or twice. Top three things that you recommend for people to kick more ass. It doesn't have to be music, doesn't have to be bulletproof anything, just the the stuff you've learned that's most impactful that you think other people would benefit from. Sure thing. Uh, You have to believe in yourself is number one. And everybody that told me that I wouldn't be a musician or wouldn't get signed or wouldn't be sharing the stage with my favorite band growing up, uh, I just never listened to them and I believed in myself and, um, just bringing confidence to any situation. And it, 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 it's saddening sometimes to see so how many people just, uh, 
are def- have, have a defeatist attitude and it's just not the case. You're in charge of your own road show and, you know, uh, just believe in yourself. And, uh, you know, it's kind of controversial. Second one would be honesty is the best policy. Uh, I like to have an open relationship and open communication with people. And I've noticed that the, the relationships that have been the worst in my life, I guess, uh, just we weren't communicating. And uh, I like to, to be just to be honest. And sometimes when you're honest, people don't like that. And that might actually hurt your relationship. So that's why I say it's controversial. So I guess use discretion with that. <laughs> And uh, this is kind of a funnier one from uh, my first boss when I was in, uh, I was cooking before I was a musician, but he said, you have time to lean, you have time to clean. And um, he, was, he was, of course, busting my balls because I'm standing around talking when I should have been wiping a counter or something. But uh, I really took that to heart in many ways. And I think that that's where it would coincide with Bulletproof. And it could be anything like cleaning up your diet, cleaning up your, your office to make it run more efficiently, cleaning up your business, cleaning up your, um, your accounting, your, your health, whatever it may be. If you're just sitting around on idle, uh, I think you can just put a little bit more time and effort into cleaning something up, if you will. Thank you uh, for, uh, for sharing those. I, I always learn something. I always think of something new, uh, when, uh, when one of the guests on the show shares that it's so appreciated. Mark, it's been a pleasure to hear what you're up to, what you're doing, and uh, you're you're a pretty interesting guy. I, I don't know <laughs> a lot of bulletproof, you know, heavy metal rock star guys, and uh, I, I love the way you you discuss these things. Thanks a ton for being on the show, everyone. We're going to include links to the stuff that we talked about today in the transcript and the show notes, and you'll be able to find more on bulletproofexact.com, and you'll have all the links to Mark's website and social media available for you there. If this show is helpful for you, please do me the favor of going to iTunes and clicking like so that other people can help to find the show. See you all next week. Thank you. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.